Because he has done so much for us. Amen. How many believe tonight that something incredible is going to happen? That's good. There's about 75% of us that believe something incredible is going to happen. I'm going to ask again, and we're going to get to 100% tonight. Because I believe with all of my heart, and I know we have a, a special guest here tonight. But I think in services like this, God calls people. Amen. And when God calls people, he calls people to people. He reaches and sends them out. And I'm thankful tonight that something incredible is going to happen. How many believe tonight that something incredible is going to happen? I believe that. I believe that with, with all of my heart, I came ready expecting that to happen. Would you get out of your seats and welcome each other into God's house tonight? In Jesus' name. One, two, Yeah. 
tell of all you've done, of how you've changed my life and wiped away my past. I want to shout it out from every rooftop scene, for now I know that God is for me, not against me. Our brokenness inside 
cross. Oh, give it praise, right?
Aren't you glad he never gave up on you? I said, aren't you glad he never gave up on you? He never gives up. We talked this morning, the presence of God, the fire of God, it never goes out. It's never to go out because God is a compassionate God, a gracious God. He's a God who has made decisions before the world was ever framed that you and I would have redemption, that we would have a way back, reconciliation. Aren't you glad tonight that he found you wherever he had to find you? And that all through those years, not only was he there in the beginning of your walk, but how many have found he's been there ever since? He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. God will always be there. Let me ask a question. How many of you tonight, would you, would you mind to stand with me if you can, wherever you are? We're going to have a, a moment of prayer here, but I want to ask a question. If you're here and you've been serving the Lord, now you've been serving him for a six months, a year, 20 years, 50 years. If you've been serving the Lord, but in serving the Lord, you have found hardships, troubles, trials, valleys, but in it, even in times when you thought you wouldn't be able to stay, take another step, how many would say tonight in a testimony, every time, without fail, God has always come through? Let me see your hand. Now, why don't you put your hands together and give him praise for that? Amen. Amen. So when we go through the trials, when we go through the troubles, when we go through the valleys, I can tell you in my own personal experience, I have found him there at times when I thought all the pressures would cave in. I have found that in the valley experiences of my life and in the darkest times of my life, my faith in Almighty God has never failed me. There's an old song, Truth, used to sing years ago, Jesus never fails. And it's true tonight, isn't it? One more time, put your hands together and give the Lord praise. I want you, we're going to pray. Meant to mention this this morning, but how many of you were in that 1040 service this morning? My goodness gracious, the power of the Lord. People were filled with the Holy Ghost. People were saved by the score. We don't even know how many. Unbelievable. The power of the Lord was here. I, I didn't, I apologize, Gary. I had no idea you were over here the whole time on the floor. God touched him, touched how many of you were touched this morning by that service. Wasn't God's presence and power good? But in that service, I failed to mention something. Brother Bob Kelly, Bob and Etta Kelly, been going to our church for at least 135 years. Brother Kelly lost his brother. His brother was a very unique and wonderful individual. Got the privilege to meet him just really just a week ago went to hospice where he was and and he's a veteran and, and 92 years old really just recently gave his heart to the Lord and and really just began to serve the Lord and, and give him everything and this gentleman within within just a couple of days of making sure he was right with God with tears streaming down his face he walked out of this life and he went to the Lord he's standing in heaven tonight I believe that with all my heart his name is Jim Kelly 
It's Brother Kelly's brother. But I want you to pray for, for Bob and Etta Kelly. Bob's brother is what I meant to say. But we want you to pray for Bob and Etta. The funeral will be tomorrow at uh, 12 noon at Breitenbach Funeral Home. Keep your prayers up for the Kelly family while there's peace in their heart that they know that he's with the Lord. You know, there's still that empty chair. Amen. How many have had to ever deal with an empty chair? So let's keep them in our prayers. And as a matter of fact, as a congregation tonight, I'd like us to pray for them right now. And I'd also like to pray for you. We had prayer down here for special needs. But if you have a need and it's something you didn't necessarily come forward for, but you need God to intervene, would you just make it known with an uplifted hand right where you are? Amen. All over the house. Let's pray right now. Would you take the hand of somebody standing beside you? And let's believe God by faith. Lord, as we come to you, we do what your word says to bring our petitions to you. We lay down every care and every concern, every burden every heartache and circumstance of our lives. I pray that you will be a miracle working God in this house tonight. I believe by faith that anything's possible. Jesus, you looked into the face of many folks and you said, do you believe that it's possible? If you can believe, nothing is impossible. And Lord, we thank you for this. So we stand on the word of God. We stand by faith on that rock, Christ Jesus. Lord, that gives us the hope of our eternity, but also the provision for our present day. I pray that you will touch those that need healing, that you'll touch those that need provision. Lord, for those marriages that need restored and the love restored, I just pray over them tonight. I pray for those going through the valley experiences, God, that you'll bring great deliverance to them. Touch them by your Holy Spirit as we give ourselves wholly and completely to you. I praise you and I thank you. And I ask you, Lord, to touch especially our special guests that are here tonight. Touch Brother Christian and and Kathy Swift. Lay your hand on them and let them sense and feel that this is a church that loves them, that Lord supports them and and prays for them. Let Let them know and sense the presence of God tonight that while they are here to minister to us, Lord, that we will minister to them as well. I pray this in the name of Jesus. We thank you tonight. Would you touch the Kelly family? Minister to them during a time where they need your comfort, your strength, and your grace. You promised that your Holy Spirit would be an undergirding power of strength for us. And I pray for that tonight. Be with them, especially over the next few days, the difficult days that lie ahead. I just pray this in the blessed name of Jesus, knowing that while they are comforted, that Jim is in your presence. Lord, the heartache of loss is theirs. And we pray in the name of Jesus for the peace that surpasses all understanding. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Would you turn to somebody, smile at him and say, you're looking prettier than you have all day. You may be seated. I don't know why you get such a kick out of that. It must be because you feel like you're telling a (laughs) no-no. Do they really look pretty? (laughs) How many of you know there's beauty in holiness before the Lord? So everybody's beautiful and everybody looks good. It's good to see you tonight. Thank you for being here, especially on the Sunday night service after a full day already. And I told the Lord coming driving over, I said, Lord, you know I'm tired. Uh, I, was, I was privileged to speak yesterday at a conference over at Princeton Pike, and 
I was there for three and a half hours. They wouldn't, can you imagine having to listen to me for three and a half hours? Those people, they were in a zombie state when it was over. But I spoke those three and a half hours and I came here and spoke three more hours today. Um, so I, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm tired, but I'm going to give all I got to worship you tonight and to come into your presence. And I'm so excited because you can't be real tired for very long once you're around Kathy Swift. You can't be in her presence for more than five minutes and not be just filled with joy. This lady is amazing, and we know she is the first lady of the Swift family and our, our missionary that we have loved and supported for, goodness gracious, I don't even know how many years. It's a hundred years. It's been a hundred years. You look good for a hundred, as you said earlier. But we love them, and, and I, know, I know for sure that we've been working with Brother Swift at least 15 years, maybe 20 years. I don't know. But I know we've been with him a long time. You know, there are lots of missionaries and lots of folks constantly um, wanting and asking for our support and wanting us to hook on to their projects and their missions. But, you know, I've been where he works. I've seen firsthand how the people love him, how they ad admire and look, look to him as a resource and as a father spiritually. Hundreds, thousands of people. One church alone, 1,200 people. I watched them as 1,200 as soon as Chris Swift took to the stage, they stood and gave him a standing ovation. The presence of God follows this man, and yet at the same time, he's broken and humble, kind, and so giving back in every way that he can. And so we have loved him, we support him, and we believe in his ministry. As I said, I've seen it. I know his integrity. I know his character. And I know how careful he is with every bit of the donations or contributions that come his way. And yet I also know and see how excited he gets when he's given opportunities to minister. So these folks have come to be with us tonight all the way from Western Europe. And they're here, and, and not, not only that, but they have associations in nine countries, I believe, there. And then you have Africa as well. How many in Africa? Three countries more. So let's take it to 12 then, right? 12, what if you had to be over 12 countries? Some folks, you know, would, would barely let the Lord call them to one, much less 12. So you can imagine the kind of expense that it takes for them. Now, I don't get up, and, and I'm not one. I've always trusted God, and I, I don't really, I'm not one of these preachers that browbeats you down for your gifts. But tonight, I will, because it's not for us. It's not for us. I don't know who's waiting for you in Western Europe. In Holland, in Belgium, Luxembourg, France, all those other countries. I don't know in the African Congo who's waiting. I don't know in Kenya, your project that you're going to talk to us about tonight. I don't know who's waiting on you. But I know that I want to be a part of it. I want to be a part. And I'm asking you, we are a missions-minded and a missions-giving church. We always have been. And I'm asking you tonight, now, this morning, there was quite a few more of you. And they all saw that 90-degree heat, and they said, I'm not going back. But you did. And I know it's hot. We did, Brother Jim informed me, we've turned it down as low as it can go right now to try to get it going. We've had it on the normal temperature, but that wasn't good enough, so we've dropped it. Hopefully, it'll cool off in a little bit. But you, how many of you know it's hot today and humid, and that's just a little overbearing, but... 
I thank you for coming out and being here, being determined you're going to be in church. So I'm going to ask you that God will multiply your blessing in giving one of the greatest offerings we've ever given. I would ask, as your pastor, I would ask that everybody get something in your hand. I don't know if it's, if it's little or if it's large. I hope that you'll give the very best that you have because I believe in the ministry of Kathy and Chris Swift. I believe in it. I believe in who they are. And I want you, if you don't know them, many of you do know them, but if you don't know them, I want you to get to know them. And I want you to see firsthand the experience of just knowing real called missionaries on the field who love God and are doing what he has called them to do. So as we give tonight, I pray. And I pray again, not this time just for blessing and for God to give them opportunities and to keep his hand on them, but I pray now for provision. I understand that in order for them to go back to the field and the economic troubles and the trials and the prices and what it is over there in Europe, for them to do the 12 countries, the justice they need to do them as missionaries, they are on a campaign to try to raise $20,000. How many of you will believe with me that that is possible and that they'll have it by the end of September? Now, I know I'm asking a lot. I want you to help me believe with them that they'll have it by September. Now, that's only a couple of weeks away. But I am believing that God's going to provide for their need supernaturally. How many believe God can do it supernaturally? I'm believing that God can do it. And I don't know but what he isn't going to use someone in this very room someone in this very room and I would be so thankful to the Lord if he chose someone from Stratford to meet their need so you write your check for one million dollars or the very best that you can if you can't give here give on our kiosk or go online and give from your phone or from the computer and give a generous gift to them if you can't do it tonight then do it when you get home, earmark it right there in the memo for Christian and Kathy Swift. And I promise you every dime, every penny will go to them. So let's now agree together that their need will be met. And that God will provide for them in a wonderful and a miraculous way. Would you help me? Father, right now we come to you. We've seen people saved this morning. We've seen, God, people filled with the Holy Ghost. We've seen your power at work in this service. And Lord, we still stand in amazement. Lord, we don't want to just be receivers. We don't want to just be about having church for ourselves. We want to do what we can to take the gospel of the message and the power of that Holy Spirit all around the world, far beyond our borders. Lord, we'll take up the responsibility and do our part right here in Middletown. But Lord, these folks will take the message and they'll take it far from here. They'll move into countries and into places and in languages. They'll speak to people we'll never know. So Father, I pray that you'll use us tonight in a way that makes us a part. Because we can be a part financially in sending them. And Lord, we can be a part of reaching, touching them, speaking to them, even though we don't know Dutch, we don't know Italian. French, and the many different languages that they speak. We praise you that they will go. We honor them, and Lord, we ask you to use us 
so as everyone gets something in their hand to bless them with tonight. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus, it'll be enough. And that, Lord, you'll choose and lay on someone's heart. If they're not in this room, then someone down the road, someone next week, someone in a day, that, God, I would ask you, please, lay it on someone's heart who is able to do it right here in this room. And, Lord, I'll never fail to give you the honor, the praise, and the glory. For it's in your name that we have all that we have. And it's in your name, Lord, that we're used. We give you the honor for it. And, Jesus, we thank you. And everyone together said amen. Amen. God bless you. A few months ago, I found a song. And... I immediately recognized it to be one of the pastor's favorite songs. And I told him Thursday when we were having uh, lunch with Tops, I said, you got a surprise coming Sunday night. And he gets nervous when I tell him that. But it, I think it's a good surprise. He introduced the song just a minute ago, Jesus Never Fails. So, Pastor, we, were one, we tried our best to get this ready for pastor appreciation, and it just wasn't ready. And But... A belated pastor appreciation.
man. I'm over here all teared up trying to video that so I can play it later when I'm by myself. The reason that was one of my most favorite songs, and I won't go into the whole story, but at the lowest, one of the very lowest points in my entire life, when I was ready to walk away from it all, God sent that song to me. God said, he said to me, I will never fail you. And that is the truth that I found in that moment when he sent that to me. It turned my life around. I sat in my car and I bawled for about 30 minutes. And he said, he over and over again, I'll not fail you. And that song has meant everything to me ever since because that wasn't just a song, it was God's song to me. So thank you, choir. Thank you for singing one of my favorite songs in the whole world. But understand this. Understand this. God sends that message to every one of us here tonight. He will never fail you. He said he'd never leave you nor forsake you. He said he would go with you to the very end of the world. God will always be there. If you will not give in, if you will not fail to believe him, he will always see you through. Do I get an amen? Amen. He will always see you through. The problem people have, the only folks I've ever heard that said God failed them were the people that threw in the towel and gave up. But if you will hold fast, Paul looked at Timothy and said, I have fought a good fight. How many are fighting? I fought a good fight. I kept the faith. No matter what came against me, no matter what the devil tried to tell me, no matter what came down that road, I kept the faith. And he says, I finished my course, my race. I'm determined to fight, keep the faith, and to finish well, to finish strong. Amen? you got two sermons tonight. Isn't that great? We're delighted tonight as our special guest to have the The Swift's with us, as I said, from Western Europe and from Africa. And we're delighted. I want to turn the rest of this service over to them and let them minister to you tonight. They come not only to share what they're up to and what's going on in the ministry, but every time Brother Swift comes, he has something for us and he ministers to our people. So would you, Stratford Heights, make them welcome tonight as they come. Be seated. I can't talk. I'm too full. (laughs) These folks are so good. When my wife can't talk, you know something's going on. (laughs) That'd be nice. (laughs) (laughs) I was reading this morning in the scripture during my devotion, and I read Psalms 118. And it says, Give thanks to the Lord. For he is good. (laughs) You could just stop right there. But it goes on and it says, His love endures forever. He never fails. He is always with us. He will go before us. He will make every crooked place straight. He is the Lord God 
Almighty, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, and the end, and our soon coming King. Hallelujah. Can you give him praise tonight? Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo. I can tell the Holy Ghost has been in this house this day. Woo. It's preaching place up here. Are you sure you're preaching? I mean, <laughs> you know, when you were talking about the, the good folk that went home to be with the Lord, I don't know how many of you know, but eight years I lived in Kenya, Africa, before this feller found me, and I lived in a house of other missionary ladies, and for three years, across the hallway, there was a very special lady that lived there, and we were almost like twins. Lord, help this world. And uh, uh, not only did we almost look a little alike, but everybody in town, of course, we were white, and everybody thought our hair was the same, and, but we did the same things, and, and we did a lot of the same work. And today, she graduated. She went to be with Jesus. If you know Juanita Brownlow, that's who I'm talking about. She was one of the greatest ladies I've ever known. And I just thought about, she's not sick anymore. She's dancing. She's dancing before the throne and whole and healthy. And the, the rest of us, we still got something to do. We've got to do something now. Because Jesus is coming. I believe that with all of my heart. You know, we, we get saved and we get excited for Jesus. And, and then we kind of, oh, you know, we kind of get in those ruts. You know, coming to church and seeing everybody and how are you today? And everybody has their life and they go on. And we kind of forget, at least I do. I'm sure you're not like me. Um, you kind of forget about the excitement about Jesus really coming. But this last six to eight months as we've traveled across Europe and, and across uh, Africa at different places, there has just been a churning in my spirit. And every time we preach, it doesn't matter if he's preaching or I'm preaching or we're preaching, it's like the Lord says, sound the trumpet, I'm coming. It's time for us to get excited again. Doesn't matter we got white hair or we're just getting started over there. We've got to tell people Jesus is alive. He's well. He's strong. He's more than able. And he will take us through to glory. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Let me tell you a little secret. Uh, I was by myself for 12 years after my first wife went to be with the Lord. And I said, Lord, if I ever get married again, I want to marry a fireball preacher. I want a woman who knows her own mind, but I don't have to drag it out of her to find out what she wants to do. And I want a woman that's called. I want a woman that God has called to the world, to a lost world, to a dark world. And I'm 
thank God. every day because of your love and because of your prayers. I miss my grand youngins. I miss my kids. Thank you. I give it up because I just want to see at least one more find Jesus before he comes. Just one more. My kids are in the fold. My grandkids are in the fold, and they're going to stay there because I'm standing in the gap for them. But there's a whole lot of folk that hasn't heard the word of God. They haven't heard about his love, and you help us do that. Why, we were in Morocco not too long ago. We're both a mess, you know. Speaking of Morocco, where's the police? How long have we been in church? Have we been in church for more than 10 minutes? Oh, my Lord. They, they forgot. The police are late tonight. They're late. They were supposed to come and arrest every single person in this church. And those young people would be in jail. They would all be in jail. And you might lose your life. And pastor would probably be tortured by now. They would be torturing him. Uh, every single one of you that went to jail, if you have a job, you probably wouldn't have one on Monday. Because they would find out. And would be taken away from those Your kids parents. would be taken away from you. That's what the underground church that we were privileged to be a part of, that's how they live in Morocco. Just two people, maybe three, can meet together at one time. That's it. And they cannot come to this same place every time. Then maybe there'd be two of you that could meet together because they're always watching you. And they're always checking out. There's too much traffic going into that person's house on a regular basis. There's something fishy going on there. People are giving their life to smile and say, you know, sure is nice to meet you. Like to get to know you better. And not a word about Jesus. You just got to smile. You just got to share friendship and build it and build it and hope that someday they'll ask you what's different about your life. Those are the kind of places that we go. It was really hard for me not to tell folks about Jesus when I went across that border. But if I had said one word, it could have jeopardized 20 years of some of them investing in that country just to find one soul. We are free tonight. Hallelujah. You're free to worship. You're free to tell someone about Jesus. Don't you dare go to the store tomorrow and not tell somebody about Jesus. Don't you go to school tomorrow and be still. You tell somebody because we're free. We are free. We go through the bank, and we say thank you for our money, and we don't ever say, have a good day. Jesus loves you. Some of us do. Some of us forget. I have a few of those days I forget. But people in Morocco, people in Andorra, um, Kenya's even getting that way now. 
there's a lot in Kenya that you've got to be really careful. took me three years to make roads into Nazarene. My wife has been praying for a lady. How many years now? Five, six now. For six years, she's been making friends with this lady in a little bakery shop in, in Africa. And that lady has grown to love her and see God in her. And I've gotten invited into her home. And that's really big. And they're now asking questions. Who is this Jesus that you serve? They ask me. I don't say anything unless they ask me. Then I can tell them. And I'm believing that she and her family, they're going to know the Lord Jesus Christ before Jesus comes. Yeah. You see, but that's just, you know, that's just one family. One family can touch thousands. Yes. Just one. And that's what we're all about. Amen. Do you have a video maybe that they might? Let's run that video. If, they, you know, they might really like to see that instead of hear us. I, I ran into a very smart young man by the name of Nate, and I think he's got a bunch of smart people back there with him. Let's see if we can run that They're video. They're techie, that's for sure. How many Let's people know we appreciate techies around here? <laughs> Ready? Oh, there we are. Start it again. Let's try that again, try maybe again. with some sound if we can get it. It didn't scare God, and it's okay with us too. We just used it a little bit ago. Well, while they're working on I think we had that problem the last time we were here. While they're working on it, it just said that Chris is a career missionary in um, Europe, and I am too, but I'm also an associate missionary in Kenya, Africa. You tell me when, guys. Okay. When they took that picture, we didn't pose for it. We were at a church where they call him dad because he had poured into this pastor as a young man, taught him in the MIP program, and in fact, that young man was so excited, he went back through it two times. Anybody know that the MIP program, ministerial internship, is nine months of blood, blood sweat, and tears? <laughs> and and he, most American uh, people, most American couples that have been through that, when they're finished with that nine months, they say, thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. <laughs> this man came back. I think we have a, a convert over here. Hallelujah. Who knows what I'm talking about. This man came back. He said, Brother Swift, this program of training in the Word of God has so enriched my ministry and so empowered me to reach people for Christ. Can I please come back and do that nine months again? And we let him. And today, his church is running 300 plus, and they consider Chris their dad because Chris has poured into those families and those people in that church. That's just one of what you have done all these different years when I wasn't around. And the Lord sees when we give out, he always gives it back like that up there said in Luke, it says. He Press will, down and shaken together. 
and running over. And running over. Run, and I'm Amen. ready for running over. How about you? I want those running over blessings. Amen? Okay. Well, I just want to share real quick, if they're not ready, I'm going to share with you that out on the table, we have some different types of, uh, uh, what are these called? Uh, Postcards. Uh, postcard. Thank you. Yeah. My brain. I had a freeze all of a sudden. Um, uh, we are going to be taking a group of uh, perspective folks into Kenya, Africa as a team. Um, we're going to go in the bush. Um, we're not going to wear these kind of clothes. Um, we're going to go in the bush. We're going to ride the motorcycle into the bush, and we're going to feed the kids, and we're going to dedicate the church, and we're going to have a great time in the Lord, and it's next March. And if you're interested, you stop by and see us because uh, there's a limited number of folk that I want to take with me, but we're going to have a great time in the Lord and see souls won into the kingdom of God. Praise God. How many churches have we been able to successfully start? In the last two years, we have seen 21 churches planted all over Western Europe. And we're just getting started. What do you mean you're just getting started? Well, we're looking for, in Spain, by the way, I want to know how many people here are Latino. Can we have some Espanol. hands? Espanol. No Espanol. We went to Madrid, <laughs> and we said, if, if you are from Latin America and you are planting a church in Spain, would you please stand up? Out of 50 people, 40 people stood up. Maybe they, 45. They were from Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, Mexico, all over Latin America, and they are planting churches in Spain right now. And they don't know any better. They don't know, they don't know that in Spain you're not supposed to be able to they plant churches. They think they're churches. supposed to do that. You're not supposed to be able to win souls in Spain because it's Catholic and everybody's, shh, shh don't, don't tell know. anybody. The Latin Americans don't know don't that. Don't tell them. We went to So they're that. getting people saved and we filled. We went there, and, you know, we were so excited to meet them. And there was a few people there, maybe about 50, and, and we thought, well, we'll just meet them and greet them. You meet and greet, you know. And we went, and they fed us, and it was late at night that they feed you, like 9 and 10 o'clock at night. And then we thought we'd get to go home. Guess what they did? They said, now, uh... Miss Kathy, you go over here and preach to the ladies. And Mr. Chris, if you'll come over here and preach to the men. At midnight, we left. And we had had a wonderful time in the Lord. And everybody was just glowing because of the presence of God. It was exciting. And it's exciting because we're seeing lives transformed. We're seeing men and women leaders becoming more equipped and, and better able to, to reach out to the harvest. Um, tell me, what uh, is coming up in October? Well, Something really exciting. First of all, in September, we're going to have a national camp meeting in Italy. And people are going to come from all over Italy, and they're going to hear the gospel, and, and they're going to be equipped and trained to plant more churches. We have one pastor in Italy that's already planted seven churches. He's working on his seventh church right now. Praise God. Are you ready? Well, this is part of what you're hearing up here in about five minutes. Go for it. Oh, it's ready? Oh, okay. We're going to try it. Hello, I'm Christian Swift, Missionary Superintendent of Western Europe. And I'm Kathy Watson Swift, Missionary to Western Europe, but Associate Missionary to Kenya, Africa. 
Together, we serve in nine countries of Western Europe, traveling, equipping, mobilizing workers and leaders for the harvest. Yes, and it's exciting to be able to go everywhere around Western Europe, teaching, training, equipping, and encouraging people, not only just the, uh, the leaders, but also the laity. You know, over half of my life, I have lived in Europe and worked and ministered in Europe. And I've never seen a time like this where the Holy Spirit is being poured out all oh. over Western Europe. Wow, it was so exciting just recently in Portugal. God just swooped in through the Holy Spirit. He really did. <laughs> Here we are again. Well, you know what? See, the hand extended of the people that mm -hmm. send us. And even now we're still able to have a mission project in Kenya, Africa. We still feed a thousand orphans and widows every week out in the bush. No electricity, no running water. But today, I'm excited to say, we're seeing the fulfillment of a dream, church. of a vision. We're planting a real church out there to continue to disciple those that we've mentored and loved and discipled. You know, when I was there in Kenya, washing the hands of those hungry orphans <laughs> and seeing their little smiles, having them... It gripped his heart is what it did. It got him. And now he, he um, insists that we make sure that those kids in Africa are taken care of, including those that we help support and educate, not only in Africa, but in Western Europe, because we are helping different pastors across Western Europe to put their, their young men and women into Bible school in uh, Germany and also in Belgium. We have a, a young man from Colombia. It's okay, guys. Anybody know where Colombia is mm -hmm. in Latin America? And he is right now getting ready to plant a church in Madrid. So we are sending him to the European Theological Seminary. Uh, he speaks perfect Spanish, of course, being from Latin America. And his dad has already planted one of the biggest churches in Madrid. He's from Dominican Republic. And we are seeing a great, exciting things happening. But we need to train people for the harvest. We need to equip the next generation to plant churches. And so when you support us, we're also equipping others to be equipped to go reach another group of people that we can't touch. You know, if we equip you, you're going to touch a world that we don't know. So you'll touch someone else. And then that person's going to touch someone else. And that person's going to touch someone else. And before you know it, it's multiplied because of just helping one person. That's the way the gospel of Jesus Christ works. You are equipping people all over Western Europe and Africa. And you should give yourselves a great big hand. Amen. Give God on yourself a big hand tonight. All right. I am uh, going to let you preach. The, I'll make it. I'll make it. Um, I fell a week ago. So that's why he's helping me. <laughs> it was a wet spot in the restaurant. How about that? But you know what? It's going to take a whole lot more than that to keep me down. Can you see why I love her? Praise God for this great lady that I love so much. As we were worshiping God tonight in this service, and I heard Pastor Ray testifying about 
some of the low moments, I was thinking of the times that I myself have also come to the end. And in fact, I think I came to the end many more times than I came to the beginning. Anybody ever been there? You're, you're trying to do something. You're trying to accomplish something. It could be uh, something in, in the educational field. You may be a student somewhere, or you may be trying to build up a marriage. My goodness, my wife and I have, have almost been married for two years now. And wow, after being alone for 23 years and alone for 12 years, I'd forgotten how complicated marriage is. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You men, uh, raise your hands, but be careful. But uh, I've discovered that I'd forgotten how complicated women are, and I better shut up because that's about as far as I need to go. <laughs> Sometimes uh, my wife is pointing out something. Sometimes we just want to quit, don't we? We say, I've had it. I'm throwing in the towel. You know, one of my first assignments, in fact, my first assignment as a missionary was at the European Bible Seminary in Germany. And little did I know that when you go to a, a Bible school on the mission field, there's only going to be three or four teachers. It's not like Lee University that has teachers all over the place. And you're going to be teaching all kinds of different subjects. You're going to be working for 60 to 80 hours a week. Has anybody ever worked 60 to 80 hours a week? Pastor Ray knows what I'm talking about. And for the first time in my life, I was teaching. I didn't have any training or any preparation other than the academic preparation of working on a master's degree in theology, but I didn't really know too much about teaching as such. And I remember uh, teaching and putting classes together and courses and exams and doing things I'd never done before. And then going out on the street uh, every night and witnessing and testifying, taking teams into German cities to win people to, to Christ and going into churches on weekends and having revivals and crusades and, and uh, still trying to be a father to three children, three little kids, and trying to be a husband to a wife. Now, how many people know that you're going to have your hands full when you try to do all those things? And how many times... I got on my knees and I said, God, I can't do this. I just don't know how. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, God, there's nobody helping. Uh, everybody else is overwhelmed. In fact, I met the director of the Bible school one day in the hallway. He said, how are you doing? I said, I'm meeting myself, coming and going. He said, well, don't feel bad. I don't even meet myself anymore. Have you ever been there? Anybody been there and done that? And I was reflecting on that the other day and... and the Holy Spirit reminded me of a text in the Bible. I want to uh, look at with you at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 6 through 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 6 through 10. And Paul was talking about some of these false teachers that were going around boasting and talking about how qualified they were and telling people what to do. And Paul was saying, you know, even if I should choose to boast like they do, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, I don't boast because I don't want anything, anybody to think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. I want people to look at my life like an open book. And I want them to say, 
just based upon what Paul does and what Paul says, I know the measure of this man. You see, there's something wrong when people have to boast about all their degrees and all the things that they've done and all the places that they've been. And you can't just read it by meeting them and talking to them day by day. They have what I think sometimes we can call a disease called stuffed shirt-itis. It's a very serious disease that people get when they start thinking that they are more than they really should be. And Paul had to deal with those people in the church world. I thank God those people don't exist anymore in the church world. We don't have any more stuffed shirts around, do we? Well, at least not in this church, amen. But Paul said, you know, I'm just going to let people read my life like a book. And whatever I do or say is who I am. But he said, you know, God helped me. Even so, God helped me to uh, refrain from becoming conceited. God helped me to stay humble because I saw some great revelations. In fact, it says that Paul knew a man that had been taken up to the third heaven, which means the actual throne room of God. It's where the angels and God are and the Lamb of God and, and the throne room of God. And, and most scholars believe he was talking about himself. He said, because of all these revelations that God gave me and all the things that God showed me, God sent a messenger. But actually, Satan thought he sent the messenger. It was a messenger of Satan, but God actually allowed it. And, God's, and, and Paul said, you know, I asked God three times. I said, you know, I'm getting so tired of this thorn in the flesh. And there's been a lot of speculation about what it is. Some people say he had uh, eye problems from the, from the day that he uh, fell off his horse uh, and he was blind for three days. Other people say that uh, it was something else. But the important thing is that it was whatever it was, it drove Paul to his knees and made him think, I just can't do it anymore. I can't take it anymore. It might have been a person uh, uh, some pastors have people in their churches that uh, they would uh, probably be best described as a thorn in the flesh. Again, I think this church is the exception, but there, there are churches out there where people are a thorn in the flesh to the pastor and to the other people of the church. But whatever it is, it, it was something that made Paul say, I can't do this anymore. Some people say that maybe he was married, maybe it was his wife. I, I can't imagine why... He, uh, that would be true. But um, whatever it was, Paul said, I just, it, it's a weakness, and, and God says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. You see, what, what Paul is saying and, and what God's Word is saying is that, you know, sometimes we look around and we say, this is going to be so difficult I wish God would just send an angel to do this because it, it just requires supernatural power. There's no way that I can do this. And Paul says, you know, God takes joy. God takes glory and pleasure when an ordinary person like you or me that puts his pants on the same way and, and has the same struggles and the same battles every day when that person is used. In fact, I think sometimes when God uses us and when he does something glorious and powerful through us, 
that's just the moment that Satan comes and counterattacks and tries to bring us down and, and to, uh, pump, uh, to, to puncture our bubbles. And so whenever you have a spiritual high, watch out because the enemy is waiting for you at the bottom of that roller coaster when you come down again. But, but God is, is glorified in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, a little bit earlier in that same letter. Paul says, you know, we are troubled on every side. We're not distressed, but we are troubled. He says, we are perplexed in our work and everything we do, but we are not in despair. He says, we're persecuted, like the people in Morocco, but we are not forsaken. We are cast down. We're flat on our backs, and we can't get up, but we are not destroyed. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life when I've been flat on my back. When my wife died, I was flat on my back because I didn't know how to get up. I, I just felt I, I'd been destroyed. I, I'd lost everything. But the Word of God says that no matter what happens to you, you have not been destroyed. You may be on your back. You may feel like you don't know. You're perplexed. You don't know where to go next. You're troubled on every side, everywhere you look, there's problems in your life. Financial problems, health problems, relationship problems. Your whole family may be falling apart. But Paul says that we are still, uh, God is still with us, as, as Pastor was talking about earlier. We are not destroyed. And in fact, God says that when you are weak, that is when my glory and my power operates most. You know, my wife has already shared a few things, and, and, uh, but I want to ask her to share one more thing, and I'll probably get in trouble for this later. But you know, there, there were times in her work in Africa when she was tired. Just stay right there. And, and one day she was supposed to go to a meeting somewhere uh, in the evening, and she was going to preach somewhere, and she was trying to save her energy and trying to get ready for this meeting. And this lady said, you know, we need to go visit some AIDS patients. There's a lot of AIDS in Africa, especially in the region where my wife was working in Ethiopia and also in Kenya. And so my wife was taken by this lady to home after home, to mud hut after mud hut. And she was able to pray with some young people and and, and help them to find Christ, and a lady to find Christ. And you know, that's the most important thing, isn't it? It's not life and death. It's not AIDS. It's not what we're going through. It's eternity. That's what it's all about. In fact, Paul says, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. But the point is that my wife was going from place to place, and she was already trying to, to save her strength and get ready to, for this meeting at night. And just when she was totally drained and had lost all of the whatever little energy she had left, and she was just desperate to go rest somewhere and get ready for that meeting, that lady said, we have one more stop. And darling, I wonder if you would share with us. We'd that. already seen three come to the Lord. We'd already known that God had moved in their situation, and regardless if they were healed Physically, they were healed spiritually. 
and they were prepared and ready to go home. Now, mind you, I had been in, in Ethiopia for almost a month, and I did not know from one day to the next what we were going to do. And that morning, uh, my hostess, uh, she got up, and, and as Chris has already said, she came to me, and, and I was studying. I was preparing because at 4 o'clock that afternoon, I was going to speak to a room full of women uh, that had been affected by AIDS. Either their spouses had died or they themselves had AIDS. And I was not allowed to speak about Jesus, but I was allowed to give them encouragement. And so I was preparing. I was trying to think, dear Lord, what am I going to say that will change their lives and have them ask questions about Jesus Christ? And so my mind was not on that. And, and uh, my friend came to me and she said, Pastor Catchy, today you will pray for those who are dying with AIDS. Oh, thank you. And, and I think that you shall pray for them to be healed and they shall be healed. Okay, thank you. No expectations whatsoever. And so I Did was... Did you ever get set up? <laughs> yeah, I was set up. Amen. And I was exhausted because when we had crossed over in the border of Ethiopia, I had no phone and no internet. So for one month, I had been without communication to family, to my friends in Kenya, wherever I was. And, and uh, I was safe but yet I had experienced many things. And so I was preparing my mind again. I was beginning to pray. We were in this little three-wheeled pajabi. It's called a pajabi. It's kind of like a golf cor uh, cart, uh, but it's not four wheels. It's three, and it's tiny. And we all squeezed in there together, and we're bumping along this uh, uh, rock road in, into the hovels of the back part of this city and as we stopped and I put my foot out the Holy Spirit said tell them they shall live and not die I took a deep breath and I said God I can't do that Lord I don't want to tell someone that they're dying and I'm arguing with the Lord as I'm walking to the, to the place that we're going to go in. And, you know, everybody's all excited around me, the social worker and the lady with me, and I'm not excited. And we walk into that house. Now, it had been little places, so tiny that I actually had to go in the door sideways because the bed was up against the door. That's how small of a room that was their house that they lived in. And so we stepped into this place, and it's, it's nice. It's bigger. It's probably three times that size. And the bed is made. And, and beside the bed is a little, like a little sofa settee thing. And, and this little frail lady... She's sitting on that sofa, and she had this plain little nice shift on. I'll never forget it. And she had beads around her neck, but you could tell she had been very, very sick. 
and I sit down like any good lady, you know. I sit down and I patted her hand and through an interpreter I said hello and all of those kind of things. And all the time the Holy Ghost is saying, tell her, tell her, tell her. And I'm fighting with the Holy Spirit because I don't want to give someone hope if it's me and not the Lord. And see, I'm just like you. Mm -hmm. When the Lord whispers to you to do something, yeah, yep, I'm, I'm just like you, my brother, just like you. And so anyway, I'm sitting there, and I mean persistent. The Holy Spirit is just persistent. And finally, I was ready to cry, and I reached over and touched her on the hand, and through an interpreter, I said, the Lord has sent me here today she nodded. The Lord has sent me here today to tell you, you shall live and not die. She burst into tears. Oh my Lord, then I did exactly what a woman does. I, I came over and I got a hold of her hand and I'm patting her, you know, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just really sorry. I didn't, I'm, you know, and she's pushing me away. And I, she said, no, no, no. Through an interpreter, she said, you don't understand. And I sat there and I listened. She said, you see that bed? I said, yes. She said, I laid there last night and I knew I was at the end of the journey. And then a bright light came into my room and stood by my bed. And Jesus himself said, you are well. And I, I said, what? You will be healed. And I will confirm it tomorrow. Because I'm sending a white woman with white hair to tell you you will live and not die. You cannot quit because you may be the next breath for somebody along the way. You may not know that today you're going to go do such and such and such. But Jesus has a path. For every one of us, we have a destiny. We have someone that only you can touch for Jesus. Only you can speak to them. Only you can pray for them. And Jesus is waiting for you. Don't you quit. You keep on keeping on. The point that the Holy Spirit is trying to make tonight is that my wife did not feel like a superhero that day. She was pretty much dead on her feet. She was so tired, and she was desperately wanting rest and to get time to pray and prepare for her meeting that night. She wasn't even thinking about going out and bringing the gospel to lost AIDS people. But somebody took her out and took her to hovel after hovel, hut after hut, person after person was saved <laughs> through a woman that, that didn't even want to be there, that wanted to be back resting somewhere in a hotel or wherever she was staying and preparing for something else. 
people were saved that day. And finally, when she was at the end of her rope and ready to throw in the towel and call it quits, the lady said, we've got one more place to go. And my wife could have said, I'm tired. I'm so tired. I, I don't have time. You know, we're just not going to be able to go there. I've, I've already been to three people today that I didn't want to go see, and I'm just... I wanted to do something else, and I'm not called to this, and I, I don't really feel a special burden for, for AIDS patients. But my wife knows that God calls ordinary people. And he knows that when we are weak, his strength is made perfect. And because she was obedient and went to that final mud hut that day, without feeling like a superhero or an angel. God gave her one of the greatest miracles that she has seen in her life. And that lady was totally healed of AIDS. She's going around giving God praise today. But what is God saying to you and to me tonight? Pastor, I think, I don't think this room is full of angels. There may be angels here tonight, but they're the kind we can't see. I think this room is full of ordinary people here tonight. People like me and like my wife, just ordinary people. Maybe I, I speak a few languages, but I'm just an ordinary person, and so is my wife. But I believe that God wants to use some people here in this church, Pastor, just like he used my wife that night. And just like he's using you and, and other ministers, I believe that God wants to use every single person in this place tonight. And I believe that if you will come to God and say, God, who am I? That's a good place to start. Moses started there. He said, why me? Who am I? I can't even talk right. And God used him. He was the greatest prophet in all of Israel. And uh, all of the other, uh, pretty much everybody else, Gideon and, and uh, all of, most of the prophets, most everybody that God uses in the Bible was not qualified. Most of them said, why me or who or is that you, God? And God used them greatly. And even the great prophet Elijah, one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament, God said he was a man of like passions like you and me. He had the same struggles every day, and, and I, I don't know about you, but I have to crucify my flesh every single day, Pastor, because my flesh does not want to cooperate with the Holy Spirit any day of the week, let alone on Sunday, and I have to die every day to my flesh. But you know, one of the greatest miracles, and I'm going to pick up my wife one more time, one of the greatest miracles that he ever did in your ministry was when you died to Africa. What happened when you died to your flesh that wanted to stay in Africa the rest of your life? I had intended, and I think I told you this, to always live in Africa. I had waited a long time to go, 35 years, and that promise was vivid in my heart. And when he opened the door and I went, I thought I'd live there the rest of my life, and I never intended to leave, ever. 
Now, I thought that was God's promise to me. But sometimes we can get our own thinking mixed up into what God wants. And the fact of the matter was that I had been trying for about three years to build a church in that area where I had been feeding and ministering. And, and it didn't matter how many good people I saw. It didn't matter how many youngins that, that got excited about going to Africa. Nobody seemed to want to give even a dollar toward that building of that church. Oh, they'd help me feed, and they'd help me educate kids and clothe them and those kind of things, and we're still needing that, but not to build a church. Now, they just have a tree that they got under or sticks on the top of their building, and, and it was mostly little youngins, so they didn't need a build. Why well, they didn't need a building. So I died to me. I died to what I wanted. And I just said, well, Lord, I guess this wasn't your dream. How many of you have ever done that? Mm -hmm. I guess it's my dream and not yours, Lord. It's sure been a long time. I've been praying about that person getting saved a long time, and they still haven't come to the Lord. I've, I've been trying to witness to them. Lord, I have a dream. I want to be able to give the church this X, Y, Z. And I just seem to never have enough. Well, I married him, went to Europe. And do you know, the very next month after we got married, the heavens opened, and the windows were wide, and the floods came down. And today, there is a church in the middle of the bush, <laughs> a 40 by 60 building, and I didn't buy it. I didn't fund it. God funded it. God was waiting on my obedience. God was waiting on Kathy to die to what she wanted and to let God do it the way he wanted. And that can apply to all of us any time of the day or night, in church work, in business, anywhere we are. We got to get rid of, this is what I used to tell my kids, got to get rid of your stinking thinking and let the Lord put his thinking in your cap. And it's amazing what the Lord will do. In November, Chris and I will go and we'll teach two weeks at the Bible College in Kenya. Of course, he'll teach all that good stuff, you know, like the Church of God history and all of that. And, and I'm going to teach how to, how to be a good children's worker and, and how to do all those good things. And what you don't know about me is that I'm a ventriloquist, so I'll be taking my friend along with me, and we'll be having a great time. You see, there's a lot about me you don't know yet. But I'm telling you this. When I obeyed, when I quit putting my hands in the mix and let God put his on it, it was blessed beyond what I thought because God 
knows how to do it better than I do. Can you give him praise right now? I just wonder if we could take this to the Lord in prayer. I, I believe God is speaking to me and to this church tonight. Would you stand with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we, we come to you tonight because your word tells us that even though we do not feel qualified, even though we don't feel capable, even though we are not the superheroes or the the magnificent, wonderful person we would like to be. And even though we have lots of doubts and uncertainties about ourselves, you have, are saying to us tonight that in our weakness, in our inability, if we will just die to what we want, what our flesh wants, and let your spirit come into our hearts and direct our steps, and just follow you wherever you lead, Father. We're going to see miracles. We're going to see people saved. We're going to see people healed. We're going to see lives changed. We're going to see churches built. We're going to see uh, things happening for your kingdom, God, through ordinary people. You might even be speaking to someone tonight that, that needs to take a missions trip somewhere, maybe to Africa or to South America. You might be speaking to someone tonight that is saying, God, you cannot possibly use me. And God is saying, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Or you might be someone that's praying for a hopeless situation. And you've been praying and you've been saying, God, I just, I don't, everywhere I look, there are problems. Everywhere I'm looking, I'm just beset at every hand by difficulties and struggles and obstacles. And God says, you are not destroyed. You are not to be discouraged. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Even if you're flat on your back tonight, you are not destroyed. God says, I have preserved you because I want to show my glory in your situation. And I believe that tonight, if you feel the Holy Spirit speaking to you about needing to surrender some area of your life, something that God might want you to do or he might just want you to let go of something, I remember one night when I was appointed to go to Belgium as a missionary, I said, God, I can't go. My oldest son is not saved. He's backslidden. I can't be a missionary in Belgium or anywhere else. I need to stay here and, and get my son saved. I need to keep telling him he needs to go to church. I need to keep arguing with him about God. And, and, and the Holy Spirit said, you're part of the problem. You need to go. You need to release your problem to me. You need to let go. Because in your weakness, my strength is made perfect. I will deal with your son. And several years later, that boy came to me and said he had decided to give his heart back to Jesus Christ because we had let him go and let God deal with him. 
I just sense right now that there is a move of the Holy Spirit. There are some people that need to come forward to this altar tonight. I thank God for the wonderful move of God this morning, but, but God also wants some people to make decisions tonight. He wants to, some people to die to themselves and their flesh tonight and, and just say, God, whatever you have for me, I just want to live for you. He might be calling some missionaries tonight. He might be calling some people to ministry or to witness to somebody. I, I just sense that God wants some people here at this altar. I think he wants to meet some people here tonight. And don't look around at, at whatever anybody else is doing. You just listen to what's going on in your heart and obey the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's calling, and he's wooing you, and you know that he's been talking to you tonight. Don't stand back. Come on. Come on right now. The Lord would not have put this on my husband's heart if there wasn't souls in this place that needed to hear it. Will you obey him tonight? I'm talking to people who are seasoned veterans, seasoned people in the Lord, because we grow weary just like anybody else. Come on. The Holy Ghost is moving in this house right now. Hmm. Obey him. Obey him. He's calling you to himself. We still have things to do for him. And he uses ordinary people. You're just like us. Come on. Come on. Oh, praise you, Jesus. Can we just begin to worship him in this house very quietly, very reverently? Worship him because there's people that need to touch Jesus tonight. Oh, God, we give you thanks. We know, Lord, that you are always the same, that your love endures forever, that you never fail us. But, Lord, you move differently in different services for different needs. And we bless you tonight because you're moving in this house. We bless you right now that people's lives are being changed. They are being encouraged. They are, huh, they are being transformed. There's people in this house that need to say, yes, Jesus, I will let you live in my life. I need you, Jesus. I cannot make it another day if that's you. Come on, come on to the altar. Tonight is your night. Don't leave without the precious Holy Spirit. Let's worship the Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Still small voice. Hallelujah. So you can you. Give myself away. Give myself away so you can use me here. I 
sing that song tonight give myself away I give myself away I give myself away take all so of me Lord can you take my family give Jesus away. I give you my hands and I give you my feet I give myself away you've got my so heart Give myself away. 
myself away so you can use me. Give myself away. Give myself away so you can use me. Father, we thank you for the way that you've moved in this service. Lord, you remind us that you touch hearts. Lord, you are sometimes in the fire and sometimes in the wind. Sometimes you said you're in the whisper in our heart. But Lord, we thank you that you're speaking, that you're speaking to your people, that you're leading us, you're guiding us. I thank you for the lives that have been touched tonight, challenged tonight to believe you that through the troubles and the trials of this very life, Lord, we've seen that nothing is impossible with you. We thank you tonight for the moving of your Holy Spirit. We give you the honor. I believe, Lord, you're going to speak into the midnight hour tonight. I believe that you're not done speaking to us. As we move from this place and the church is dismissed to go into the world, I pray, God, that you'll speak tonight on the bed. You'll speak tonight, Lord, in the car on the way home, that you'll, you'll speak in that quiet time and let them sense and know, Lord, that you're leading, you're guiding, touch your people. And I thank you for strength. I thank you for provision. I thank you for healing, Lord. I believe healing is in this house tonight. I thank you for it. We lean not on our own understanding, but in all of our ways, we acknowledge you, and you're the one. You will direct. You'll direct our path. We thank you as we lean on you, as we give ourselves completely to you. Lord, we will see the glory of the Lord arise, the power of the Lord present to use us in this world and in this life until you come. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.